Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It is Cinco de Mayo 2021. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a Home Before Dark podcast. Kevin, are you sipping a mark right now yep. in honor of Ooh, going the Dan route, going going tequila tonight in honor of Cinco yep. de Mayo? Crazy straw to boot. Yeah. Can someone silence their phones, please? We're recording. <laughs> well, we I am Tim Herb. Do we have to have a notification before yeah. we start now? Oh. <laughs> I am Tim Herb, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts, Mr. Kevin Bradley and Dan James to my right. Thank you guys for tuning in on this lovely Wednesday evening in Atlanta. The rain has stopped, the skies have parted, and we're getting ready for Saturday. Atlanta's still winless. Yeah, still winless. (laughs) No, we're not. Since the last time we recorded, we are. Correct. Oh, Bill Holcomb. Bill Holcomb in the trap for the first time in God knows how long. How are you, Bill? It's good to see you. Maybe we will have to start referring to it again as the Bill Holcomb icon, the Bell Holcomb icon on the page. But if you guys are watching us on YouTube, make sure that you guys subscribe. We're close to 500 subscribers. If you guys are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, on Podbean, whatever you're listening to us on, we're on Audible. We ain't, we ain't got that Joe Rogan money, but we own Spotify. We're on Spotify. We're we're on Audible. So whenever you're in the middle of listening to your Kyle Tate narrated books, you can take a break, switch over to Home Before Dark, listen to us for a little palate cleanser. I guess yeah. I guess Kyle would be the palate cleanser, or Ron Perlman, or whoever whoever's Ron book White. you're listening to. Ron White, yeah, I would listen to Ron White narrate just about anything. Can you imagine Ready Player One as narrated by Ron White? <laughs> The old tater salad. Old tater salad <laughs> in the stacks. Just going into the oasis. Oh, I love now, it. That's 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 an Alex Jones reading of Ready Player One. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's good to see you guys in the trap. Joe Johnstone's been in here since like what is that? Seven thirty nine. We did a toot 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 back and forth. Uh, got Bill Holcomb. The aforementioned Bill Holcomb. Elliot Beaven. Bradley D. Which is close to Kevin, right? Um, Brittany S, Dirty Bird Person, and Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. That's it. Great. Uh, yeah, Joe Johnstone says, I'm going to need that resting Dan face from his photos. 
<laughs> I've got you. You might have RBF. I have RDF. I got resting Dan face right now. I think that's the uh, just slightly annoyed look. And yeah. you can hear Pirlo in the background, just, just mildly screaming his head off. Yep. Well, how you guys doing tonight? Speaking Great. of mildly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. Whoever it was talking about Atlanta winning last night before the final whistle was blown, I hate you so much. So thank you for that. Um, that said, I I don't know. I don't think that the results of the past three matches are indicative of the state of this team entirely. And you have to take it in context with all of the events that transpired over those three games. Um and I don't know how you guys want to break this up. I don't think it's necessarily that we need to go match by match, but if we just kind of break out CCL uh, with the two games against Philly and maybe talk about first and second leg, and then we can finish up with New England because that's then maybe that leads into MLS play this weekend. But um, so Philly, first leg, Atlanta comes out, ends up taking a, a really, really bad loss, worst loss at home. Um, in its history, right? Isn't that the yeah. worst club history? Loss? Worst, worst loss in club history. That is correct. Three 0 loss at home. Uh, stats and the first half would not say that that would have been the case. I think that we were all a little disappointed considering just how close Atlanta United got to scoring in that first half, but ultimately couldn't break through. Um, I don't know, man. That first one was was really really tough. What were some of you guys' thoughts from the first leg of of the the two legs against Philly and CCL play? I thought, yeah, the the first half stats wise and first half just the visual eye test. It was beautiful what we were seeing. I was. So it looked encouraged. like the best Atlanta United we had seen since maybe MLS Cup run, right? Like, I mean, they were just creating chances, shutting down. I mean, Philly had next to nothing in that first half uh, against Atlanta that you would really of any concern, in my opinion. Yeah, I think maybe we saw one, maybe two games under FDUB that were as exciting as that one. But this is, I mean, we haven't seen excitement like this since 2018. Uh, it, was, it was great. Everyone was just clicking. We thought, all right, here we go. And then the second half happens. We let that. A uh, horrible goal in, and then it was just heads down. Um, we totally lost our mentality. Uh, Philly played us, they played us, they played the ref, uh, and they can't get after the best of their ability. They played us like a fiddle. Uh, that was it, was a real tough loss. So I was pretty bummed out after that one, and yeah, then of no, course, would, yeah. go ahead, Dan. Yeah. keep going. Oh, I was just saying, the commentators like to say, Oh, it's the biggest home loss they've ever faced and it's like so it's only three nil it could be a lot worse right i feel like that says more about us than it does about philly the fact that mm -hmm. in in our fifth season the worst loss that we've taken at home is three nil great we've taken some bad losses on the road but that said yeah i it, it's tough for me kevin to be honest because i don't know what what part of the game to take or what part of the, the two legs, to be honest, like what positives, what negatives to take away and which ones count for more for me in terms of my perception of the way the season's going and the way I think it's going to go. I think there are a lot of really good positives that we could take away from the first game, especially the first half. Granted, 
obviously the score line's not one of them, but some of the play that we were seeing outside of, say, Alan Franco in the second half. I mean, the first half, it was just we lit them up. We had interlinking play. We had lots of uh, lots of chance creation, and it seemed like we had a lot of possession with purpose. And it's like everything that we've been preaching or that, that Heinz has seemed to be preaching or that, that we've been seeing in our – I guess in our positive results – so far this season and the way that we're wanting to go, it, it was there. It just, sometimes the cards don't fall. And that's like that three nil loss that we had at home to Philly. I would take that kind of loss over like a loss where it sounds cliche. I'd rather lose three, nothing than lose one, nothing. But to be honest, like we, we want a half if, if not more. And we just got, we got lazy, not lazy, but, you know what I mean? Like we, we took our eyes off the prize in the second half. Uh, it like took our foot off the, off the gas, maybe involuntarily. So, but we, we just kind of deflated, gave up some, some cheap goals and, you know, you can't do that against Casper Shabilko and, and, and crew. It's, I mean, we saw it last night. You can't just, you can't just let a guy like him get an, like to, to get a shot off in the 18 or, or to get an opportunity as easily as, as we gave them in the, in the, in the first leg, it's just not gonna, it's not going to come with good results. Well, I think the, the biggest thing that I took away from that first game was a, the first half. I feel like that's what everybody wants to see out of this Atlanta team and the way it's structured. and, And you finally see, a run of form where there are consistent chances being created and against maybe if maybe if it's not against goalkeeper of the year in Blake that you slot a couple of those home, but the flip side of that, and, and this goes two ways, which is one, how susceptible a team is to burning themselves out playing like that for a full 90 minutes. And I think that also presented itself in the second leg where Atlanta, I don't, I don't know that any team has not only the depth, but the stamina to play and press as much as Atlanta had been those first couple of games and particularly that first game against Philly, where they were just nonstop chasing everything down. And by the end of it, they were all spit. And I think that's why those goals just piled on at the end, because what that led to was in the second part of that, which is the other big takeaway for me, which was we, we all recognize going into this season that this Atlanta defense was going to get exposed. It wasn't a matter of if, but when, and we all saw that in preseason run of form and in those first couple of matches. And we were all wondering just how many goals this defense was going to concede. And it had looked shaky time and time again with balls, just rolling across the floor through the 18 and getting slotted home. But then secondly, the defense getting pulled out of position because they're pressing so high and they're being so aggressive. It was just going to take one team to capitalize on it. And that's exactly what Philly did in that second half. I mean, it was at least two opportunities, one of which, which led to a goal where the, the, the bad Martinez Phillies Martinez doesn't even pick his head up. Doesn't even pick his head up. He just has a ball coming into him. He knows Shabilko or somebody is running on and he just, plays the long ball through our defense because at that point our defense is spent. They're not going to run on the ball. And all he's got to do is just play it past that high pressing back line. And it's a one-on-one with Guzan. And at that point, 
the other forward is already up there, and then it's a two-on-one, and it's just a gimme goal at the, in that situation. And two of their three goals were exactly like that, where Guzan is left on an island, has no support, and they just slot it away without any issues. So that right now is probably my biggest concern is – how sustainable the way this Atlanta team wants to play really is through 90 minutes week in and week out. I don't think that they have an answer to that. And and that kind of takes me into maybe the, the second match against Philly, unless you guys have any other standouts from the first leg. I think, yeah, I think uh, the fitness is an issue. I mean, we played the first game against Alavuense. Yeah. Um, after was it 10, 15 minutes, we're playing with 10 men. Uh, and that was an onslaught. Um, so we've just had we've had a lot of travel. Travel. It's still early season. Guys aren't in mid-season form. So I think the potential is there that yes, we can get through this ninety minutes at that pace. But again, I think that's not going to come until potentially mid-season. Well, uh, and the problem is that you're already getting injuries as a result of that. Like, I mean, that's the challenge now that Atlanta's facing is that. You're not in a midseason run of form, and we're talking about how how much Atlanta's depth is. Well, it's about to be challenged whenever you've got two of your major players having to sit right now with very early season injuries. Yeah, but that you, I mean, you can't help when injuries. I know, I know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, if if they're muscle injuries, wouldn't that tend to lean towards overexertion? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Especially, I mean, and the work the the thing that Atlanta doesn't want to have happen is it's arguably the best player in that lineup right now in Sosa getting one of those fatigue injuries because he has played all 90 minutes of every game so far. And he has been the best player we have out there. And every time it's like you, you keep running him to death the way he's having to play, you're kind of risking those sorts of fatigue injuries. You know, as, as far as I can tell, I don't know all the specifics of Barco and Dam's injuries, but both of them seem to be cramp and fatigue type injuries. It wasn't like it was a ligament tear or something like that, you know? Yeah. And to, to Bill Holcomb's point, he said, are we calling Jurgen Dom a major player? Has he started more than one game? It looked like he was starting to integrate himself more and endear himself more to, to Gabriel Heinze in, in the lineup. And as he was, um, you know, as he was getting fit, it seemed like he was going to be be a major cog or a bigger cog in the system. But I don't know. You know, the, the one thing I will say about, and this goes back to you guys fighting about this. I don't remember who took whose side or what, who is on the Alan Franco train versus not on the Alan Franco train. I think that was, you know, not to play Monday morning quarterback, but to like look at that game and think about the partnership that Miles Robinson and Anton Walks had forged in the first of four competitive games before that match and to take Anton walks out of the lineup who arguably has been as solid, if not more solid in certain situations than miles Robinson at points this season to take him out and to put Alan Franco in, in such a, such an important game. And this is, it's not like playing. I get, I don't know. Maybe I don't get it. Like I was going to say, I get the fact that he's a DP, and you have to put him in at some point, but wouldn't you think putting him in at the on the road against Inter Miami or putting him in on the road up in New England as his first true integration into the starting lineup wouldn't that have been a better way to get him started in this as opposed to putting him in putting him in against the reigning supporter shield champions in a two or in the first leg of a, a two leg knockout round in in 
you know, whatever. We end up getting almost the same exact result we've gotten the past two years in CCL. So maybe we're just doomed to always, you know, get throttled the first game of the quarterfinals and then either win or draw in the second game and and call it that. But I don't know. I, I that that's that's the one that kind of puzzled me. And I get it that from man, he, maybe he has management breathing down his neck about you know getting Alan Franco integrated into the lineup. But that that one just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You don't. To me, you don't fuck with a good partnership in defense like that, the way that they've been playing and only giving up, what, one goal in the first four competitive matches together? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just to circle back to the injuries, because I, th- I think this is an important point. He's, um, I think Heinze has to kind of just play the same guys at this point in time and play him into the ground if need be, because he has to. he's trying to establish a system. So if you're trying to establish a system and you just keep rotating guys out because of you're worried about injuries, you're never going to get to a point where it's established. So the criticism them is going to be, you know, there's no consistency in the team. And now it's like what he's playing. Everyone is like, well, now you're getting injured and stuff. But but at the same time, I feel like you can use nothing. I just don't think there's anything you can do at this point in time with a new manager instilling a new system that you like, oh, we got to be careful about injuries. You just got to play them. I mean, they're professional athletes. They need to do their recovery uh, as much as they can. They need to manage their, um, they need to manage their bodies with the support of the staff. But you have to get them. You just have you have to get like the Martinez. He needs games. Franco sure. needs games. You've just got to get guys in the system playing together to establish a basis of chemistry. And then you can start kind of picking and choosing and rotating guys out if they need rest. I mean, Sosa, Sosa looked knackered against New England, but then last night I thought he looked awesome. I told you, whatever. Like he was. I mean, that goal basically leads to just his fatigue, or not the goal, but there was a couple plays where like he just couldn't chase somebody down. Like he's just completely spent. So yeah, exactly. But towards the end of the game, but then no. again, are you going to sub Sosa out no. in that game? No, no absolutely. You're not. So whatever, like horse placenta or rhino horn he's eating, that I mean, he needs to keep that up to get him <laughs> to get him playing games because I mean, powdered, desperately, yeah. desperately need him out there. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Drinking powdered seahorse. So I just want to play a little bit of devil's advocate, just to say, to your point about instilling a system, which I think is well taken, and especially a system that revolves around chemistry. I think that's been the biggest thing lacking, particularly over the New England in the second leg against Philly, right, where so much of the core of what was in that first leg against Philly and the the first few games of the season, which was that familiarity and in the players and their relationships for link up play with one, two touches was non-existent against either new England or that second leg against Philly, like whatsoever the absence of Barco and Joseph against new England in particular led to zero buildup of play on the top end of the ball and past midfield that it, it was just glaringly obvious that Atlanta was never in a position to win out in either of those games. The second leg against Philly a little bit more so, but the talent on the field was a little bit better. That said, my point about the system and having repeating players in that lineup is that inherently if you're trying to create a system, would you not want your all of your players to be familiar so that it's not glaringly obvious whenever one of those players is unavailable that all of a sudden you have a substitution they have no idea what their role or what they need to do is? So like that's devil's advocate to that standpoint, right? Where it's like, of course you want your best players to – do that but if they're unavailable because of injury or whatever like that's that's the argument for 
maybe having more frequent substitutions because what that system involves requires to have requires some sort of fluidity in that lineup because it's not sustainable over an extended period of time. And it's this sort of plug and play mentality, which that was always what I guess Frank DeBoer was trying to get to in his system, right? Where it's like, you don't want to be so beholden to the starting 11 that as soon as one or two of those players are missing, it completely falls apart, which was exactly evident in, in that game against new England and, and part of that Philly game, in my opinion, last night. Well, I will say in, in Heinz's defense though, if you look at the two guys that are suffering from muscle injuries right now, they're two guys that suffer from muscle injuries under different manager last year. I just don't know that Barco and, and Jurgen Dom are that durable of players, to be honest. I mean, Dom came in and I'm pretty sure he was injured and then sat out more games throughout the course of the season. Barco is always on the shelf. Um, to be honest, I, I love the guy to death. I think he's an incredible player, and he's a very important to this team. That said, I, I, at some point, you have to wonder, like, how, it, <laughs> I don't know, it's a conversation for a different time, but he seems to be on the shelf more than he's uh, on the field. So it's it's a little difficult to deal with when – Essentially, all three of your DPs right now are questionable in some fashion. And maybe not Joseph, because Joseph is really, I think, more so now dealing from a lack of service and a lack of creativity from the people behind them than he is dealing with his yeah. own inadequacies coming off of that injury. I think the other two, though, are huge question marks to me. Like, Barco, you're not necessarily paying him a shitload of money. I don't know his salary, but you're you're dealing with you're dealing with taking a DP slot off of your roster for him and for Alan Franco, both of whom are not Granted, We're only a few games into the season and this is all conjecture, whatever, but are like, it's, they're not making that big of an impact right now because obviously Barco's injured and Alan Franco is being outworked by uh, two Tam level guys, maybe. Yeah. So let's hit up the trap. We haven't really done that. And obviously that's so much a part of what leads to us to talk to. Um, Michelle has a great point, which is I also think the ref, ref should take better care of them. Uh, Barco being, I think they mentioned last night, the second highest fouled player in the league currently, which doesn't really help with his sustainability as a player whenever he's consistently getting fouled. And during those fouls, isn't necessarily getting yellow cards to try to prohibit that from continuing to happen week in and week out. Yeah. I think um, he's won that competition um, all the seasons since the yeah. 2018 season. Yeah. Uh, Bill Holcomb. I would like to see a more consistent backline pairing or trio at the start of the season so they can get comfortable. The rotation seems like we might be missing opportunities to get a solid defense. I completely agree. And I think, you know, we had a separate conversation and, <clears throat> with the text communication with the three of us about Heinze favoring that walks and Robinson uh, duo on that back line. And I think a lot of that just comes down to, I don't, I don't know that. Matt, check your blood sugar. I, I don't know that Franco is necessarily worked into the point of what it's not necessarily his defensive abilities as it is. Like I, I just haven't seen him as much on the offensive side of the ball. And that was really obvious whenever Robinson came in last night where immediately whenever he comes onto the field, Atlanta somehow and instantly starts getting some sort of build a play from the back line that Franco just hasn't been able to establish himself in for whatever reason that may be. So um, it'll be interesting to, to watch that and see how that goes. Um, another comment Wait, from Mich Franco. Franco didn't play last night. 
I thought he did for some reason. No, he. So, okay, so what do you think it is against New England? Right, that's right. I watched both of them last okay, night. Yeah. That's why I was thinking that. My fault. Um, Michelle mentions I'm so here for the Heinz and Curtin rivalry. Did you guys see all of that uh, <laughs> that took place afterward? <laughs> Jim Jim Curtin's such a pain in the ass, dude. Like he's like I get uh, it. Like he's he's the shit that he employs. And, and then re- like requires of his players is uh, I don't know it's kind of legendary status to me in, in MLS like there are certain coaches that do that but the the theatrics and the and everything from his players and him trying to deny it and then accepting it and and then denying it again and then calling hindsight an asshole like I am yes I'm very much for this rivalry he is just another reason why Philadelphia sports teams are so easy to dislike from other, like for, from every other team to be able to look at them and not be able to cheer for them. Like I do, I don't know. It was, he's yeah. The, the press conference or whatever, whatever he, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Felipe did a great transcript uh, over on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and then also just listening to Jim Curtin again, just being a pain in the ass. Like, how many how many stretchers were called last night for uh, three or four? Right. And how many times and how many times did every one of those stretchers get used? Zero. Or did each one of those zero? Oh, that's right. Yeah. And how much how much time did we end up getting in the was it the first or the second half? I think it was the second half. We ended up with four minutes of stoppage time after all that shit. Yeah. And the same with yeah. the first the first leg. It was just yeah, the uh, time yeah, wasting was a, a a whole subplot to this this series with Philly that that needs to be talked about in some regards. Where y- yes, it's an it's absolutely a part of the game, and Atlanta United's done it multiple times in their past five seasons. Like it's it's a part of the game. It's undeniable. However, whenever people are going down because they're getting hit with the ball, like. Uh, Oh, Shabilko. Shabilko did in the first rounds. Like, what the fuck are we doing right now, guys? Like, you're yeah. not even taking physical cut. Co- like, you got hit with the ball. That's like, and it wasn't even in an or like it wasn't even in a vital area. Like, he got hip checked with the ball. Like, it hit him in yeah, his and he step and he his went face. down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sergio Santos is amazing at that. Uh, I remember in the first leg, uh, Bello did a beautiful uh, tackle and nutmeg. Oh the yeah! Out from oh it. my god! And then Sergio Santos like ran, continued his sprint for about four or five steps, and Smack then just like the ground. went out to the air, went yeah. down, and then this, you know, that wasted like three or four minutes, and then he uh, this time. It was when he was called to be subbed. He was like, oh, man, my leg hurts. And he had to sit down on the ground. Poor Sergio Santos, man. I mean, a professional athlete, and I could knock him down with my broken little pinky finger here. (laughs) Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, Uh, Quick shout out to Max Plays Games 492. I think that's a new name in the trap. I think Max McDonald from Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, it's good Mm -hmm. to see you. Uh, Uh, Yeah. A couple of things I want to talk about, which is another subplot to this, which which uh, Brian and Bill Holcomb and Connor Thompson were all kind of talking about, which inevitably was going to come up, right? Like some of the buildup going into this second leg against Philly, which was, okay, Heinze hasn't won his past two. And if he, if he doesn't win this oh, one, he's going to start getting some pressure. This was my issue with the Frank DeBoer firing all along which was that the precedent that it sets regardless of which side you stood on 
whether you thought Frank needed to stay and his tenure continue considering everything that last season was outside of his control, or you rightfully thought that he needed to have a departure from Atlanta United because Atlanta wasn't playing the style of football that you expect them to play. The fact is that he was let go in a manner that sets a precedent that every other coach is going to be subjected to at some point if they aren't winning the majority of their games in a short span of time. So that said, Brian says, I don't recall getting burns on the counter so far. I don't recall getting burned on the counter often during Frank uh, or under Frank to which Bill Holcomb replies might be because we never got forward under F to B. Um, <laughs> <laughs> rightfully so. Uh, Connor Thompson. But, uh, stop- so hold on, hold on to that point. I mean, the uh, Eastern Conference Final in 2019, we got burned twice on, on the counter, I believe, uh, and, and lost that game because of it. Connor Thompson, people need to stop bitching and wait eight regular season games before chanting in unison, Boca out. I'm Boca is burnt toast within the – oh, my God. I can't – A-list McBe- – I don't get that reference. Anyway, uh, again – what what are your thoughts? Because it's going to happen. People are going to start calling for Heinze out in a matter of games. I mean, somebody else was mentioning, like, is it Carlos Bocanegra really the issue? And, and, and again, it's just you start burning down everything as a result of a couple of matches. I don't see – where the logic or reason is in that. And I don't you think know, any of us were ever on the FDB out train. I don't think any of us are going to be on the Heights out train anytime soon either, considering what we've seen under a, a short sample size. I uh, think I, that people are actually not understanding your sarcasm when you scream Heinz are out, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> I think people actually like, see, he's, 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 he's Heinz are out. <laughs> uh. Uh. My my reaction. So don't understand my sarcasm whenever I tried to blame Brad Guzan for those first two goals as an excuse to use the Kane <laughs> gifts on Twitter, and they were like, "There's nothing that Guzan could have done in those moments." I know that. I just wanted to use that ridiculous gif of Kane <laughs> to reference Brad Guzan. Yeah. However, he could have done something for that third goal. Like he literally just stood there. <laughs> In the words of uh, Bedoya, do something. Uh, <laughs> no, my my reaction to anybody who, in earnest, is saying Heinz out. I have four words: shut the fuck up. <laughs> so that's it. That's all you got. For those of you who are, we need to make like a guide to reacting to your friends or like handling your friends whenever they say Heinz out. It's just those four words. Just shut the fuck up. Like that's yep. that's it. Like um, it, it, at some point, I I don't know what to do with. It, you just have to ignore a certain contingent of the fan base that are calling for the head of a manager eight games into a season. That's it. Yeah, I'd also extend that to Carlos Bogonegra out. <laughs> Sorry, Connor Thompson. <laughs> um, I just, I mean, there's so much that goes on. There's so much you're trying to do. Uh, in order to to get the right players, and we're just it's well, too the early into the season, right? Like you just start throwing, you start mixing everything up. You can't build any sort of consistency in a lineup, much less in an organization. If like every every step back is going to automatically be off with your head, like you're never going to build anything that way. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah, we just need it's, it. We're so early in the season. I just, I, I go on Twitter and people are like, you know, we don't have any wingers. Our defense sucks. We can't get the ball. I think our defense, quite frankly, has played very well. Um, I think we've got, I think the, when the ball's in our half, in our half, we play generally very well. And I mean, I'm happy with that. That's something that you can build on. It's just that when you don't have, um, the, the clinical finishing or quite frankly, the, the service that you want for that final pass in the opponent's half of the field. I mean, it just all comes crashing down at that point. And then you, all you are is, is your defense and basically Santiago Sosa. <laughs> so it's, it's just, it's just time. It's time. It's fitness. It's getting up to play. I mean, we've, we started the season playing four highly competitive games uh, in the CONCACAF Champions League, traveling to Costa Rica. We've played um, a Philly team that are legitimately very, very good. We've played New England, who I believe are top in the East right now, who are another decent team. Um, and we've managed to beat a Chicago team 3-1. And people can kind of pare down those goals and kind of talk them away. But the thing is, we scored three goals. I mean, the own goal doesn't happen unless Mark, um, Marcelino Marino um, plays a, a really interesting ball through and it confuses the defense. So, I just Brian says it best. Yeah. Absolutely. Say what you will about Frank, but he was dead right when he said we were a bit spoiled. Truer, truer words never spoken from a more handsome mouth than Frank DeBoer. Yeah. I, no, yeah. I think it's just coming home to roost like – I remember, like, and I feel like I've said this a whole bunch of times before. Paul McDonough did an interview, and he said we caught lightning in a bottle with Atlanta United, and we really did that. I mean, it's an insane achievement what we did uh, in a second year winning a World Cup. <laughs> winning a World Cup? What am I talking about? Winning the MLS Cup. Okay. We won um, the World okay. Cup, dude. I was there for it. Yeah, that that was a World achievement. Cup game. Yeah. <laughs> um, never tell me otherwise. And uh, yeah, I think it is kind of like, well, you know, this is the down and dirty. This is when it really is a difficult thing to do. Um, and part of it is like, you know, it's a whole complex issue. We've got a whole environment, a system, you know, the the refs don't protect their players as well. The, the playmakers in the league. It's a difficult league. Like, as much it as is. it gets shit on internationally, like, it's a tough league. There's a reason why the same teams are, aside from Seattle and Toronto, It's the, especially over recent years, it's the reason why the same teams aren't winning year in and year out, right? Like, because the league is structured in a way to – give some sort of parity in between the teams, the teams, whether it's from the the way the salaries are structured or the way the league is structured or, or teams in general have to operate. And it's tough, man. It, and you're absolutely right. I think Atlanta did catch lightning in a bottle. I'm not saying it's not unfathomable for them to do so again. Um, but right now, team is faced with a lot of challenges and the depth is going to be challenged very early on. So back, try to get back on topic with the games. Any other thoughts about the Philly and CCL run? Um, no, I don't think so. Columbus is losing two nothing and that's fucking awesome because I don't want to wow. see any other MLS team win <laughs> uh, CCL. We're going to win it, but yeah. We want to be the first, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're yeah, gonna be yeah. ordering a cruiser's all uh jersey. <laughs> yes. 
I will have yeah. one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Get one of those Angulo jerseys. Um, so what did you guys think no, of the New England game? Because that one is the standout of the bunch, in my opinion, where it was oh, just yeah. a complete – like you can take away from both Philly games, even though you only you only lost one, you drew the second one. They seemed at least relatively consistent in the run of play versus that New England game, which looked like a complete regression. And com- and I have no idea what was happening in that game. Like, and, and that's the one that's got me maybe a little bit more worried going into this weekend, even though it's a little further out than the most recent run of form against Philly in the second leg. What were your thoughts against New England this past weekend and, and what takeaways there may be from that? So – uh, Josh Bagrianski did a really good uh, talking tactics article showing how New England used, I think they used Carlos Heel and uh, Butska to double team. Back line against Sosa? Double team Sosa. Dude, so it, it worked he, flawlessly. Flawlessly. Yeah. So I was, I was trying to think. And it totally shut us down. And I was liking it to the, to, you know, when teams would just double team Almoron and take him out and we would lose those games. That was one method to beat us. Um, I thought it was, was really interesting. As soon as they closed Sosa down, they were able to kind of like do a, a, like a more of a positional press into all of our defense. So once they've got a defense picked back down, you've got Mulraney and Bello who have already gone. Or was it? Oh no, I'm sorry. It was Mulraney and Lennon who are already down the field. Um, so it was basically Robinson walks and I'm sorry, Robinson Franco. Oh my gosh, walks Franco and Sosa. So Sosa's got double teamed, and then we've only got two guys who can really do anything. And they just would bring more guys to close off the passing lanes, and it totally uh, it worked like a charm. It was it was very Im- annoying, but uh, it was an impressive um, tactical change by Bruce Arena. So. Yeah, it was it was a frustrating game to watch. Uh, that penalty, their penalty was. Uh, I don't know not how a, that was, that not was a, penalty. a penalty. And you know why it was not a penalty is because it was called a free kick to begin with, and there is no clear and obvious evidence to overturn it. Do you think that they had a camera angle that we just didn't have? Because that's what they they kept saying during the broadcast was like they have an eighteen yard camera that they didn't. I don't have know. I, as much as whatever. as much as us EPL viewers bitch and moan about VAR and the implementation of VAR and and EPL, the one thing I will say is very nice is that we get the actual live view of the VAR review that the ref is 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 uh, the same view the ref has. That's what I feel like would help clarify a lot of this shit, man. I feel like we need to we need to do what the NFL did. And I thought they did this when we had the the tournament in Orlando when in last year, where they started mic micing up the reps and you could hear the conversations the refs were having. And I remember I think it was the uh the A League in Australia, they have the conversation broadcast between the ref and the var and the video they're discussing and to be honest with you that would be an awesome fan experience what you're doing is you are showing how you are showing the fans how to understand the game Uh, uh, other than just having this mystery box that things happen in and then it changes the outcourse of the game it's just so frustrating and i don't understand why they are so opposed 
to doing that. But what yeah. what would another what? And this is just me. Maybe I'm playing dumb here, but what would another camera angle of that show you? I thought that the one that they showed us was so, pretty clear. Like, so there's it's, no. It's just it's just the way that angles and visuals can like depending on which way the camera is facing like contact may seem like it's on one side of the line but if you have a straight shot down the line it completely changed like that's why there's a pylon cam like for the exact same reason in football like those perspectives and those visual angles can completely distort what's actually happening and that was so close and his foot was slightly in the air like the way they were saying it was like, if it's on the line, it's over the line. And so as a result, like, I guess that that was what led to that determination. Like it clearly wasn't over, like it wasn't inside the 18. It was, it had to be on the edge of that line, but without having that angle straight down that 18 yard line, there's no way to know for certain from the angle that we had, you know? Yeah. Especially as you're zooming in from such a far vantage right, point. Right. And it just flattens out the image. Yeah. So what they need to do with all the drone technology and the teeny <laughs> tiny size that they make with cameras, I don't understand why every play doesn't have bullet time. Why can we not see that? You know, yeah, drones yeah. are so small. Sure, they yeah. cost a little bit of money. But, I mean, if we're playing, what are you paying, <laughs> 400 million now as an expansion fee to MLS? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Perales says, uh, Stephen Perales just popped in. He said, uh, he's late, but what topic we're on? Uh, we're actually reminiscing about the game series Max Payne. Um, yes. And, and oh, the bullet great. time cameras from Max Payne. Give me Payne. some painkillers. We're talking about yeah. that and that the great award-winning movie Wanted where you could bend bullets and no i was thinking one of the worst movies i've ever seen (laughs) i was i was thinking the award-winning the the award-winning adaptation of max Payne, starring mark Wahlberg and mila kunis like that was a phenomenal piece of cinema (laughs) i'm not no i'm not wrong i'm not wrong i'm not backing down I'm not. I am not backing down. Um, no, I think. I, I think ultimately we need to have those angles available. Oh, Tim. I think you're oh, absolutely Max, right. Yeah, Max. Max actually brings up a good point. While we're on refs, he's speaking about speaking about bad ref calls. Did y'all already talk about the cleat to Joseph's neck? What the hell? Oh, uh, what the fuck for real? Well, that yes. was a missed call. What is what that was? I mean, that could have been a red. What was like Stu Holden and them were like, oh, well, it's a 6'6 defender and a 5'7 striker. Who gives a shit? Like if that goes in lower, it's a red card by default. Well, unless it's Nigel de Jong on on Xabi Alonso's chest, but then it's just a yellow. But at least it was a yellow. At this point, it was nothing. that, That makes sense. I mean, you know, it's his fault he has brain damage because he should have <laughs> yeah, exactly. been taller for yeah. fuck's sake like you can go yeah you, I, I don't know it was it was pretty ridiculous um yeah i don't know like and that guy i joked about it earlier but and angie brought this up i don't know if for you people who watch the office but that definitely looks like meredith's son that the guy who's uh the guy who cleated joseph in the neck he looks like the you guys know what i'm talking about the strip yeah, <laughs> looks just like him and he's from philadelphia he's from pennsylvania right so oh man no but that was that was frustrating though that was very frustrating it was kind of like things when you see things like that it's like okay well there's just no way we're gonna win this game like things are just not gonna uh you know and then okay so 
my biggest beef with Heinzer now is from last game, and it's subbing in Kubo Torres, who Dude, apparently has a high work rate, but the work rate only occurs when the ball's within three feet of him. Other than that, he's like jogging along like Homer's jogging to the workout stand. You know, it's he's <laughs> he may as well Great not be there, to be honest Dan. with you. Fucking top notch, dude. You got it. <laughs> Homer from The Simpsons? Yeah. Tim about whenever he was a boxer and he just kept rope doping everybody until he fought the Mike no, Tyson. No, I'm basically uh, telling character. like Kupo doesn't do anything and he's not he's slow. Uh he's I cannot stand him. Um he just wastes. I don't know why he's in the lineup, man. I really don't. I don't Dan, either. Dan doesn't seem to understand why he's breathing, and I think that's a little inappropriate. <laughs> Dan, Dan's over here calling I thought for we, people's heads. I thought we released him from contract last year. We did we, we did, but it was to make that up was, in my head. Was, no, no, no. It was to renegotiate. It's a, it's a pretty okay. common. I thought thing it was like a Berenstein Bears you. kind of deal last night. I was like, oh, I thought God. he was gone. How was he still here? What in, what the fuck? <laughs> Real quick, experiment in the trap. Did you guys remember it as a kid? Was it the Berenstein Bears, E-I-N, or Berenstain Bears, A-I-N? Let me know. Because... It's E-I-N. My kids watch it all the time. Yeah, but it's, but it's not. But <laughs> They're just like me and you, Tim. Oh, boy. That's what I think every time I watch golf and they're in, and they're in the pine straw. They're just like us. <laughs> 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 See? Yes, oh, Bears family. <laughs> oh, it's it's proof of alternate universes colliding. Um Okay, so yeah. back to the New England game. So the reason why the New England game has me concerned going forward was that the lineup was so drastically different and the run of play, like while yes, Dan, you make a great point that tactically they shut down Sosa and as a result shut down all buildup of play from that back line. However, there was zero midfield throughout that entire game. Any attempts to play to either wing was shut down. There was no consistent play in possession. While Atlanta maintained the majority of possession, I think they ended up with 54% possession over the course of the game, there was no run of play or possession with any sort of intent and lead up to any sort of a goal. Joseph was out. Granted, he's playing now, but – the two big things from that game that you're going to have present going into regular season play this weekend, which was Barco was out, Dan was out. The the issues at back line, whether it was Franco or Robinson, even with a team that can shut Sosa down, like it's it's it goes back to what Tim said earlier on this season, which was Atlanta United. Now I don't even think the argument is that the defense lives and dies by Sosa. I think Atlanta United arguably lives and dies by Sosa in the lineup right now. Like yeah. if you shut him down, the entire team shuts down, particularly if Barco's out because you've got zero movement through the midfield right now. And I don't know who fills that role. Listen, listen, there, there are very few things I like less in this world than giving Bruce Arena credit for something. But he was undeniably a brilliant tactician in the way that he shut us down. He really stifled everything. To your point, Kevin, you know, we did talk about the team and the defense and everything going through Sosa and his interchanges with that back line. I think that's what I think he the the chemistry that he already has with the back line partner or uh, back 
backline pairing of of Miles and Walks is is miles ahead where of where I would expect it to be. And I think the way that they're able to shift around and cover for each other is fantastic, but you're right. Like it really did expose exactly. I mean, Bruce arena exposed exactly how much we really rely on Sosa starting that, that run up field and, and getting everybody into space and, and being able to be that connection from the, the, from the back line, because he's essentially, I mean, you, you could say he's a number six, but in a lot of ways he plays on the back line. And in the way that he's able to connect the midfield, if you shut that down, we're, we're kind of screwed. So that's why I'm hoping for, and it's probably not going to happen because he's trying to instill a system, but I feel like a back three of Walks, Robinson, and Franco would help that because it's going to push Sosa up the field. And I feel like Robinson, of all those three center backs, he is going to be potentially the best to help distribute the ball. So if you can push Sosa up the field, if he's getting two guys, if he if he's got two guys on him, it's going to push them further up the field. And then if they try and jump you, you can pass it on up to Sosa through either passing it to your right or to your left to Walks or Franco, who can then get it to Sosa. I feel like there's ways tactically that you can work Sosa around depending on the opponent's tactic um now i'm not saying that we just start off with that but i feel like because we are the kind of team who just wants to go and dictate the game but then if we're starting to see things like what happened with new england there's we've got to have little shifts or variations that we can go to in order to negate that and if we don't have that um yeah, we're just going to get beaten, beat every time. But then, you know, the the Bielserists can be very stubborn at times. But we yeah. we'll see what happens. I mean, to Coach Steve's point, Dan, what do you do with George Bello with the back three, and what do you do with Brooks Lennon at the back? Put the him back on the three? wing. You put him so on the. Did he take Moreno left. out potentially and and put Bello in for Moreno? I don't know. Oh, uh, what did I do? I'll tell you in a second. I don't know, because man. I, I, Moreno's been hit or miss, but I think I really do like him in that lineup. Um, I think sometimes he holds on to the ball a little bit too long, but overall, I think he's got it. I don't know. Who's that, Kev? Sorry. Moreno. Yeah, so I was saying if you start those three, Walks, Miles, and Franco, then you can have Sosa who sits in front of them. So it basically turns into um, almost like a, a – three four three almost so you would have um bellow on as your left wing lennon on the right wing so that's going to give you the width across the field that he- that heinze has always wanted to do then you put either hyman or bellow right in the middle and then moreno just to his left Mulraney just to his right and joseph up top so i feel like that's going to give you a little bit more support it's going to cut moreno and Mulraney potentially inside on either side of the wings to either get them into the box or to pass the final ball through to Joseph. And then you've got Hyman backing them up sort of directing traffic, which I think Hyman can potentially do. I've been pretty impressed with Hyman's play in the past couple of games. So the really big thing that we need to talk about is Loki coming to Disney plus in just about a month. Yeah. Either of no, you watched true. the other two Marvel series? I know Tim, you just finished WandaVision. We watched WandaVision. It's fantastic. Oh, so damn good. So, it Dan, have you watched yet. either of them yet? I'm on episode two of WandaVision. 
What do you think? My son's watched all of them. Oh man, I liked it, dude. So good, so good. Okay, can you boot somebody? How do you boot Brian? Can we nuke the MCU? Get out of here! Get out of here, Bill Holcomb. No, I didn't put Bello at the ten. I put Bello on the left wing. Oh, you were you did have him in the middle, is what you were saying? Him, him, or um, yeah, I'll show you. Boycott Disney until poor Orlando is out of the playoffs. Uh, that said, uh, Rob Usri had the best tweet last night, which was calling out our buddy Derek over in Orlando, who was saying, oh, thank God Atlanta's been eliminated from CCL. And he said, uh, he quote tweeted, it was like, Orlando critiquing CCL is like a vegetarian reviewing Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is pretty great. Uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon should have – yeah, I'm glad that you put it in the right order because Winter Soldier was way better than Falcon in that series, and it definitely made a turn midway through. I was a little iffy about it the first couple episodes, but by the end, I was definitely on board. So so you know who I'm not iffy about anymore? It's Jake Mulraney. Yeah, dude. I very much I, – I think he's been aggressive. He's been very comfortable and confident and kind of secure on the ball, I would say, which is not something I would think that I would say last year. Um, I think he's kind of worked his way into he's, – he's, he's at least fighting to go forward, I feel like. And, and he's been aggressive in one-on-ones, and I, I feel like he's trying to – I don't know. I feel like he's probably endeared himself to hindsight at this point. He and, he and Heinemann – Aside from Sosa, I think those two have been my kind of standouts the past couple of games. I think Heinemann is working his way. I I see less and less Emerson Heinemann slander on the internet these days. I just I, I don't know who the scapegoat is at this point. <laughs> Heinemann's yeah, I mean I really have been liking Heinemann. I mean he's he's there. He's cutting out channels. He's um, putting in a slide tackle every now and then to steal oh, the ball away. Dude, he's cutting that, down. Yeah, he's getting he's back on defense. He potentially saved a goal last night with a, like a wraparound slide tackle, like in the right outside 18, right towards the end of the game. He's done that a few times. Um, yeah, he's been great. Uh, Jake Mulraney, yeah, I, I when he was bought in, I severely underrated him, and um, I feel like he's played himself into a potential starter role. Um, I guess it depends on how Dam goes. I mean, ideally, when you're just looking at a team sheet, Dam is the guy and Mulraney's behind him. But I mean, Dan, it took Dam like two, three games to get into it. And now he's injured. So Mulraney's, I mean, it's Mulraney's for the take and he's just got to keep showing it. I don't think he had the best performance um, last night, but in the Chicago game, yeah, I was very impressed with him. He did, did some great stuff. Those beautiful twinkle toes, man. So, I keep trying to play with you guys and you keep shutting it down. So I'm going to try again, <laughs> which is uh, let's talk about Arby's on the four dark favorite dirty bird person asks, are we the Arby's of MLS? Uh, we are the meat mountain of MLS replies, Brian. And this conversation is giving me whiplash from chiefs coach. Steve. Chief. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to have fun here and they want to stay on topic. We're, we're close to nine o'clock. Just give into it guys. Just give into it. Um, Arby's does have the moth sticks and they have the meats. <laughs> so my, so I went to Arby's. Uh, I just don't think we know what we have with Alan Franco. Um, he's, he's going to be, 
Okay, let's equate. Okay, here's here's the game. Here's the game. We're gonna we're gonna do both. We're gonna do both in true home before dark fashion. We're gonna stay on topic. We're gonna look at the entire Atlanta roster, the starting roster that Dan wants to propose with the back three. Every one of the players equated to an Arby's menu item, and how imperative they are in this lineup based on what they are from an Arby's menu standpoint. So, Dan, can you pull that up for the people of the back three? Who was it again? We'll start from the back. Let's start with Brad Guzan. Guzan's still in goal, right? I mean, that's what I've got. All right, so let's to... start there. So so of the Arby's menu, what, what would you rank Guzan? Tim, Tim, do you want to share the Arby's menu on the screen so we can uh, – am I already reading your mind? Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> yes, sir, my man, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm just talking – I feel like this is better than Pokemon, so I'll just go with it. Are we going to get demonetized? Are we going to get like a copyright strike for putting the Arby's menu up on our okay, screen? So let's all I don't think we get enough listeners. So off the bat, let's all agree that Kubo Torres is that disgusting garbage grape and almond chicken salad pecan sandwich. Wait, fucking he's not trash in my that nobody is ever going to Arby's to order. No, Kevin yeah, not- Kevin said Kevin said fuck your lineup. We're doing the entire roster. Oh. <laughs> Top to bottom. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so Guzan in the back. Can you scroll us down, Tim? Everybody is saying potato cakes for Guzan. Ooh, spicy Greek gyro. Man, I'm getting hungry. Man. This makes me really wish we had somebody like uh, – uh, I can't even think of any good Greek players anymore. Kevin Morales on our team, so we have the spicy <laughs> Greek gyro. But <laughs> – Oh, poor orange cream shake is no longer here. Um, right, are you gonna? Uh, so, are we doing just like the starters, let's or let, let's, just, just, let's just just do starters? I just got distracted because pecan chicken salad sandwich is the worst menu item from any restaurant in the history of restaurants. So, I just wanted to throw that out there for for Kubo. Oh, Torres. Stephen Perales is correct. That three pepper sauce is delicious. Oh my god, top notch. Top yeah. notch with the three pepper sauce all day. all day. All day. They have these new sliders now. Who was saying that? Somebody said Guzana's sliders. I, I could get on board with that, but he's not a buffalo slider. He's more like a, like he's a roast turkey slider to me. So I here's mean. what I think. Guzan to me is not a menu item. Guzan is when you have a burger that has a lot of things on it and you want to kind of eat it where it's half in the wrapper. So all the stuff doesn't fall out the bottom of the burger onto your lap or whatever. I feel like Guzan is the wrapper that holds the burger together. Okay. So, so, he's, then, he's, so then maybe he's, so maybe Guzan is just Arby sauce, right? Like it's it's the consistent it thing. It, it 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 carries throughout the entire menu, right? It builds it up from the ground up, right? Like Arby sauce on anything on their menu, it works. So no, yeah, that's got to be Sosa. Sosa? Ooh, no, I would go spicy. I would go three pepper sauce with Sosa. Wait, no, he's, no, no, he's no, 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 too no. spicy, man. You're not even – okay, you can't just go from <laughs> sauce. You can't say Guzan's sauce and then Sosa is a spicy chicken sandwich. That doesn't – No, I didn't not... say chicken sandwich. You said that you thought that Sosa was sauce. You thought that Sosa was the Arby sauce. I was saying that Guzan can't be the sauce because he is – you're saying he's the one that – 
glues everything together. But that's got to be Sozo in mind. But, okay, okay. So are yes, you going okay. a bit going ingredients, or are you going like whole sandwiches? Like all of it. The whole menu is on the table, Dan. It's the whole menu, bro. So are you just gonna say Sozo's packets of sauce? No, I wasn't saying that. You were saying no. that. I was saying Guzan was sauce. He was the RB sauce for me. We can put it in a bag if you want to. Sauce in a bag? Okay, let's just keep going and see where this goes. Okay, I think I'm going to go. I think Sosa is curly fries. Go ahead, Tim. No, I was I was just going to say, let's start from the back. Guzan. Um, well, we can all have separate answers. That's fine. For, for me, Guzan. Bag. I, I so say he's let the me ask, turkey slider. Let me ask a fundamental question. Every time I think Arby's is disgusting. So every time we <laughs> talk about, disgusting. And you shouldn't about, be a part of this broadcast anymore for saying that. That's so you that's guys aren't rude. being you guys aren't being ironic when we talk about this because I've kind of thought that the whole time that we've been recording this podcast for the past five years. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually like Arby's. Fuck yeah, I grew up on Arby's, dude. Who the fuck is Arby's, Dan? Get out of here. I can't eat it anymore because I got the gout, but I I miss it. I miss it. I just think I can make... Remedy is the thick shake. That is correct. (laughs) Oh, Stephen Perales with the the MVP comment there. Uh, can we can we agree can we agree that miles robinson is the big montana and then anton walks is meat mountain in the back oh, yeah. there oh yeah i'm good with okay. that i'm good with that i agree with those of those so so i'll say our goose is the rb sauce that that holds everything together tim what did you say goose was for you the turkey i, I would say he's a turkey slider because like he's consistent he's not gonna he's not gonna okay. really knock your socks off um, okay his distribution, um, it's not okay. great. I like it. All right, uh, George Bello. What are we thinking for Bello? Bello's boys. I'm thinking sliders for Bello. A little buffalo chicken slider. Ooh, yeah, that's probably not a bad call. Um, Small in stature, tender? but it's got a good kick. Yeah, that's What's fair. That? What did you say, oh, Tim? Okay. Yeah. I like that analogy. Yeah, buffalo yeah. chicken slider for Bello. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it'll give you the yeah. runs, too. <laughs> um, no, so I, I took that. I took that from somebody. Somebody said that earlier. He's like, "Oh, that's who it was." Dirty bird person saying, uh, "Horse stars player who gives us the runs." <laughs> and also, Max is correct. He said, "Yo, pizza slider. What the hell is that?" That's what I'm talking about right there. Dude, it's like that King's Hawaiian bun too. Let's go. What is that? Is that a nice Genoa salami? With a pepperoni and then a pizza bit of sauce ragu on top and a little bit of yeah, a little. I think that's no, that's got to be though. their like that's got to be their mod stick marinara. That's got to be no. That's I'm pretty sure that's prego, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's prego. I, I could spot prego uh, oh. a mile away. All right, so uh, we got Bello, we got Robinson, we got Walks. All right, so Franco, Franco's new to the lineup. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking Franco is our Euro guys because he's new to the lineup. He's clearly got some merit, but he's ultimately untested and unproven in the lineup overall. He's going to mm. he's going to please some people, but he's so new to the game that we're familiar with 
that I think is just kind of out of left field right now. And it's just TBD. Yeah, I agree. I would say like a, a large roast beef Euro meal because like he's got all the, all the makings of a classic. I like it. Yeah. You have all the good ingredients, you know, of a classic, but in a new, in a new form. Um, it's more expensive than a normal roast beef sandwich is. Um, it's really going to cost you an arm and a leg, but at the end of the day, you might be, you know, a lot happier, um, you know, a lot happier with the outcome. This is so ridiculous. Right, okay. You may, you may have a different take, but I, I've thought of someone. I okay. mean, you want something that's a classic. You want something that's real meaty, that's uh, potentially going to be kind of greasy and like, get through areas so i'm gonna say the uh the roast beef reuben is joseph martinez why are you going so far up the lineup we're not there yet <laughs> we're, we're building from the back dan you're breaking all the rules i think i think oh, Ryan, I, there's rules to this <laughs> i'm I, so I, sorry I, kevin Oh, uh, please I let think... me retract that from so, from. So, do you agree with the euro being I'm dreadfully so-so. sorry? Do you agree with the euro being Sosa? Yeah, I agree. Uh, wait, what? No, oh, not Franco? Sosa. I meant I meant uh, Franco. Yes. Let's go to Sosa because I think that one's going to be a deciding. No, you're forgetting you're, you're forgetting um, you're forgetting uh, Brooks Lennon, and I think I think oh, you're yeah, looking yeah, at you're right. I think you're looking at like a regular chicken slider. I think you get both of the boys on the outsides or chicken <laughs> sliders, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> let's go <laughs> let's go uh, all right so uh let's go sosa next up what do you guys think i'm gonna go last because i've got i've got a I've got a hardcore oh, stance on sosa. it's beef and cheddar it's a large beef and beef and cheddar. Cheddar. that's where i was going he's the foundation he is the arby's <laughs> brand or he's the five don't you want to do yeah i thought the curly fries because he goes with everything that's that's I, I don't know, man. I think, you I think, lo- I think we're going to lose go a lot of people a, on this. <laughs> you're not going to go get a chicken sandwich and a classic roast beef and cheese. You're going to get a chicken sandwich and curly fries. Okay. Okay. So you're going curly fries for Sosa. That's not a bad pick. All right. We'll rush it. We'll hurry it up. We're losing people. You're right. You're right. Maybe Barco as a junior roast beef. That's not a bad pull for Brian there. Joseph Martinez, you go with the Reuben, Dan. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. The Reuben? Man, I I'm thinking, oh, I'm thinking that Joseph <laughs> is a double beef and cheddar, my man. I think he's no. just he's everything that you got in the back with Sosa, but he's putting the team on his back and he's gonna make you pay for it the next day. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, <laughs> thing is about a double a beef double stack is it's kind of boring. <laughs> And it's not got much For taste. You maybe. So a Reuben, you know, you've got the you've got the beef in there. You've got the rye bread. You've got the sauerkraut. You've got the the Thousand Island dressing. There's a whole bunch of different flavor profiles that can hit a lot of areas. And Joseph, you know, he's a he's a guy who isn't afraid to try something new. That's not bad. That's not bad. All right. All right. All right. I think we've done this enough. This this is Joseph to be. Yeah, you're right. The half pound beef and cheddar. (laughs) Good God. Good God. Oh, God. Okay. All right. We got to stop it. Yes. 30 persons. Let's talk about Inter Miami, right? We've beat beat the few games to death, I think, for (laughs) 
the past few matches, unless you guys have any other additional comments <laughs> about New England or Philly. No. So enter Miami. Dan, I'm sure you've got a roundup for us, and then we'll go into score predictions. What do you think, man? Inner Miami. So the the Hig, Higuain brothers are going to be back. Uh, so Miami play a four two three one. So I kind of think we play Miami toe to toe. They've got. I don't know if you guys watched the Inter Miami Nashville game, but it's one of the most boring games I've ever seen. You know, granted the Higuain brothers weren't in that one, um, but it's just. They've been a lot better than we thought. Um, yeah. You know, you've always got to look out for um, Morgan on the flank there. Um, and also, you know, it depends what what side of LGP got out of bed on. And they just um, narrowly lost to Galaxy, right? In the opener? Like uh, yes. Or something like that? Here, I'll find you right now. I thought it was 3-2. I could have made that up. So Miami's past results so far have been a yeah a 3-2 loss to LA Galaxy at home yeah. Yeah. at home down in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, then they went up to Philly and beat them 2-1. And then they went up to Nashville and had a nil-nil draw with them. So which was an awful game and Nashville should have probably won that game in the end. Uh, but again, then again, the Higuain brothers weren't there. So it's going to be, man, I'm, I just don't, I'm not interested in Miami. I mean, you've got German Jones, LGP, Ryan Shawcross, and Kevin Leardam across the back. You know, Blazeman Tweedy is going to be there, the, the much maligned Blazeman Tweedy. I don't know if any um, punishment has come down from MLS uh, with his, transfer saga that happened last year because uh is there any they, Qatari money involved well no so no i know they they paid him they said he was not a dp and they paid him as a dp so they were fight they broke the financial rules so to me i feel like you should come down on that pretty harshly no agreed uh, yeah. but i haven't heard anything uh, about that so uh the guys because i'm looking for did, did they even have to sell um pellegrini because pellegrini was on the chopping block to sell because he's technically their fourth dp at this point um i don't know if he's on their roster he might i, know. I, I don't know if he got like uh dropped from the roster right now but like that's that's where they were in violation of the rules from what i understand like he's He's a fourth DP, and they got to get rid of him. Yeah, they may have dropped him from the roster, which is, man, that really sucks because you ain't going to get any sort of recoup for investment on that one. No, because who are their who are their DPs right now? Pizarro, Iguain, and uh, Matuidi, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Man, it, they really do have a hell of a lineup. I mean, if you you talk about not being interested in them, I mean, if you look at Jovan Jones and Ke Kelvin Leardham, both been pretty good fullbacks whenever they were with Seattle. And then you put um, LGP alongside one of the dirtiest, dirtiest center backs to ever play soccer in Ryan Shawcross, who is, <laughs> uh, how many careers has he ended? Or how many seasons has he ended with, with uh, you know, studs up tackles whenever he was playing at Stoke? Uh, um, probably quite a few. 
Yeah, I think he broke. He was the one that ruined Aaron Ramsey's career, pretty much. I mean, Aaron Ramsey still had a good career, but I think that he he gave him that really really bad leg break. Um, but he made the team of the week this past weekend in an ugly game against Nashville. I, I mean, it's a pretty stout defense to get past, to be honest. I mean, I think it's, I, yeah, it really does depend, like you were saying, if the Higuain brothers are there, I think. Yeah, I mean, Pizarro, so they had Pizarro playing up front against Nashville, and he's had a really up-and-down few games. He did not have a great one against Nashville. So I'm just looking on Sofa score. He scored a rating of 6.4, which is not that great. And then the previous game, he was 6.7. So not doing too much. Um, if I mean, if we can shut down... I feel like when then Miami aren't going to bunker against us and we're obviously not going to do that either. So I feel like it could be a pretty open match. Uh, I've, you know, you could, you could see this one, you know, we've never beaten Miami. So you could see this one end in three, one or one way or three, one, the other way. I think Atlanta United's got a good chance of, of bouncing back here. I feel like there's a bad taste in our mouth from getting CONCACAF for a second time against Philly and then just, being knocked out of the champions league uh you you hope that we have a good response we've had a long layoff it's a saturday game i believe so we have a good amount of time to sort of recover and get back to the training ground and see where we see where we go so i think it's probably i think it we're not going to get what we want out of this game um so i'm going to go with Either a two-one loss or a one-one draw. Well, you got to pick one. Well, let me know what yours are, and then I'll come back to you. <laughs> so before we do that, um, so the first Philly match is solely my fault because I was the only person to pick them to win. Um, so I picked up a point there. New England, uh, Dan picked up a point for the Moreno goal. So he picked up the loan. None of us got that score or result correctly. Um, and then Philly, uh, the second leg, I had, I was the only one that had the result and score, right? So it was um, four points there or no, we did three points for result or for the score, right? So it was like, if you get the score, it's three points. If you get the result, it's one point. So right now it's seven, me four Dan, Zero ten. Yeah, awesome. That's so, great. just yeah, in the seven. trap, Mac plays game is four nine two. Uh, it is the game is at Sunday at one o'clock. So. One of our rare Sunday games this season. I feel like mm-hmm. so, so good. It's an extra day. So yeah. I am thinking, Dan, you hit the nail on the head, man. I've been bouncing back and forth between two one loss and one one draw. Um, I think that the Atlanta defense would be able to make enough changes to try to shore up a two, one loss. I'm saying one, one draw for this weekend. Tim, what do you think? I think it's an interesting game because I think that we're going to have to your point, Dan, I think we're going to have a willing dance partner. Um, and they're, they, they have a lot of, you know, I, I feel like they're going to play pretty wide open, especially if they're, you know, completely healthy. Did the Iguayans just not travel? Like, are, are they hurt? Or they, were they being rested for that? Because they're both re- relatively older. No, they're um, 
I think was it their grandmother who passed away? Okay, gotcha. And so the club let them go. Um, I so I gotcha. believe they're available for against us. Yeah, I mean, I Lewis Morgan was the guy who burned us last year. Like mm-hmm. he he absolutely torched us whenever we played Miami, and and it's the guy that I, I think I would worry about still because he's still he's, he's a very capable and tricky and um just a good winger, and he he's proven himself time and time again against us in, in MLS in general. And I, I don't know, man, like it depends. I don't know what we're looking at. Do we have any idea of Barco and Jurgen Dom are looking healthy Barco's for this weekend? I'm thinking they're both out again. I would think so too. Cause if it, if okay. the hamstring injuries as well, they're probably yeah. just going to take it real slow. Well, I think, I think we play our, our back line, that we played in the last match against Philly and then we played in the first couple of games. I think that we'll, we'll do a good job of stifling them. I think that I'm going to go out on a limb. I haven't, I haven't won a single point in predictions as Kevin has, has said, I'm going to say a one nil victory for Atlanta, get back off the schneid and get onto the, uh, get back onto the winning horse. And who do you got scoring? I've got Joseph scoring for me. <clears throat> yeah. I think, I think he breaks the duck. I think that's it. All right, Dan. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one nil loss, and I think uh, Gonzalo Higuain gets it. Wait, you don't get points for guessing the, no, the opposing we're not doing score. That. We're not doing that. You're adding <laughs> rules. Um, <laughs> I forgot to run down the uh, the Twitter reactions um, from from last night's match, but I just wanted to give those a shout before we, uh, before we wrap up. Do you Everybody have a pull cr- up now? Cause I, uh, we can I also do. read through score predictions. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I got Cristiano, uh, Mills Naldo, AKA Christian Mills, our buddy Mills house friends saying, uh, when coaches get mad at each other, refs should make them kiss on the mouth. I agree. <laughs> I think that'd be, I think that'd be great television. Just, um, Joey, AKA J- Haletto, Giletto. I, we gotta, we have to decide what, to, if it's Haletto. It's Hosetto, Tim. It's Hosetto. Yeah, right. Can Is we get right? him to text us the phonetically correct? Yes, I'll give him my personal. But in emoji. Yeah. There you go. Um, he said, We didn't replace the playmaker that was PD with another playmaker. Moreno's great, but he's just not that kind of player. Don't think I'll be able to make it tonight. Talking about to the trap, but we'll, uh, but I'll watch the replay tomorrow. 3 2 win Sunday. That's a score prediction. Uh, Benny Acosta with two. I'll, I'll give it to him. Saying, uh, ever since Tata left, our identity as a team is left with him. We don't have a clear football philosophy. We didn't under Frank DeBoer, and it seems like the same is happening under Gabriel. So we look like a bunch of passion merchants with no idea of how to create chances. He said, also, there's a ridiculous disconnection between our defensive line and the midfield. All of our attacks die there. So in addition to that, our wingers are either either aren't wingers or can't deliver a proper ball. So we have nothing through the middle and we have nothing through the wings. Yeesh. We'll say that was a dis- disappointing thing last night out of Lennon, which was his distribution seemed to be really out of sync with where players were crashing the box. And he was consistently airing it out to the, it was more like he was switching the ball than, than delivering crosses into the box. Um, so I'll, I'll agree with that. But overall, I feel like Lennon's been really good as far as the service into the box goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's had one game that's not been bad. So let's let's get rid of him. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Jordan Beck, aka mm-hmm. Doctor Magnifico, saying, uh, "I understand Falcons fans' reluctance to resign Tory or uh, yeah, Tory Gurley or Todd Gurley. Sorry, not Tory Gurley, not the old wide receiver deep cut from University of South Carolina. Anyway, uh, to resign Gurley as a goal line plus passing down specialist on a presumably high contract. But what if he also can play center forward on the same contract? That's a good point." It's a good good call. We should just sign him, play Atlanta United, play for Atlanta United. Be like a Adam Traore. <laughs> just yeah, it's super fast too. Um, <laughs> David Benson, aka Dog, for him saying, "Don't understand if it's philosophy or tactics, or we just aren't very good." But when you start the night three goals down and the attack for the first twenty to thirty minutes is either receive, take a few touches, then begin uh, the drop to Goose or play crosses into the air against two tall center backs. Also, neither option worked very well in leg one. Clone Santi, as someone else said, um, he's one of the few bright spots so far. And that's what Keith Filer's point was. She's clone Santi Sosa. So in the trap, we got a couple score predictions here. Connor Thompson, 4-1. Uh, a couple of these, I don't really know who on which way they're pulling here. Max plays games, 1-0 sounds good to me. Um, <clears throat> Chiefs coach Steve, 2-1, good guys. Joseph with a brace. The game stops for five minutes while Joseph celebrates after first goal. Uh, I think I saw Brittany's up here. She she pulled a 1-1 draw as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think it's kind of a mixed bag. I think uh, LAB and Atlanta use, loses 3-1. I think it's a mixed bag of people kind of not knowing which way this team is headed and understandably so. Um, I think this is the first time we've seen score predictions where people are actively calling for, for a um, loss, calling yeah. for, but predicting an Atlanta loss. So Connor Thompson now 4-1 Atlanta, I think. Oh, wow. wow. And then saying we beat Seattle 5-0. Yeah. I, <laughs> that would, be, that would yeah. be something to behold. So uh, anyway, any uh, any closing thoughts, fellas, before we start to wrap up here? Uh, you think we sell Baco in the summer? Depends on if he gets healthy, man. I just still don't think that he's had enough productivity to garner what Atlanta's going to want to get out of him. And I certainly don't think it's that $30 million price tag that you're pushing. So I don't know. <laughs> no. He's got to get some more games. If he, if he could pull what he pulled the first three or four games this season for a good run of 18 games, I think maybe, but if, we're, if, if he's only got eight games before the summer window and half of those are injury prone, I don't know, man. I, I really don't. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, what would have to happen to get 30 million would be he it would have to be either a winter signing a winter transfer in january and he would have to play better than we've seen him play yeah. uh, i don't think 30 millions realistically yeah so i mean 30 millions not going to happen but realistically <gasps> what's going to happen is going to be he probably leaves in the summer and we probably sell him, I don't know, a break-even or a loss, um, and then potentially just look to replace him um, with someone who we really need. So it would open up a DP spot, but whether that is person is a winger, because I think Heinemann could potentially take Barco's spot. Um, but I think we probably just move on from him. Yeah. Or we let him walk. 
It'll be interesting to see what happens, man. I think he certainly got the capacity to be great and certainly garner at least something comparable to Miggy's transfer fee. Um, I don't even think that. I I know. I think that's that's more likely than thirty million, though. Um, There's a possibility to hit that. You know, Uh, again, it's just it's no. I don't even think it's a possibility. It's just the injury prone, man. It's just I don't know that he can get a good enough run of form. We haven't seen. I'd be interesting if somebody could pull what's the most amount of games that Barco has played consistently since he joined Atlanta United. I'd set the bar at five games. I don't think I mean, he's that's probably pretty accurate since he started with Atlanta United. Like that's that's kind of a shame for a player that you want to have as a marquee signing and a marquee trade uh, when yeah. he's leaving. So. Anyway, um, thank you guys so much for joining us. However, you found us. If you did find us on iTunes, be sure to rate and review to hear it read aloud on the show. Uh, leave us any number of stars. We greatly appreciate it. If you found us on YouTube, however, you found us, be sure to like and subscribe. Trying to break over that 500 window and to reach 2,000 followers on Twitter, which you can find us all at, at Home Before Dark. That's before spelled B and the number four. Tim, I know you're on Instagram. Where can the folks find you? You can just find me at Tim Herb. Dan, what about you? You can find me at DanJMS. Or to the power of Dan on Peloton. Oh, Jesus. Didn't they just recall a bunch of treadmills? Yep. Did not handle that publicity thing very well at all. <laughs> you can I, find me as well. Uh, you can find me as well at the architect. That's at the underscore ARC. Number one, T-E-C-T. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you next week. As always, be home before dark. Herons eat rats. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.